Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the second Sunday in Lent in year A. Uh, We started a new series recently called Our Greatest Needs. Um, We are trying to identify for ourselves, for our listeners, what our greatest needs actually are. And we see that because of sin, our greatest need is a Savior. So we are looking at how our Savior Jesus meets our greatest needs Last time we looked at him facing off against Satan in the wilderness, and today we are moving to some familiar sections of scripture that present the gift that he is for the whole world. Let's meet our participants for this series. With us are Pastor Joel Heckendorf from Light of the Valleys Lutheran Church in Reno, Nevada, Pastor John Scharf from Abiding Grace Lutheran Church in Covington, Georgia, and Professor Joel Russo from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. So thank you all for being here with us again today. Um, Joel Heckendorf, let's start with you. The theme for this Sunday, our greatest need, a gift for the world. What is kind of the main truth you want worshipers to take home with them as they leave your church this week? Sure. Thanks, John. Just the, the word, you know, the world or the universality of law and gospel that the the law hits everyone. There isn't a single person who can, who can escape uh, the law and, and how we fall short. But then also the remedy is, is that Jesus is the savior of the world, whether it's, you know, and that shows up in all the readings. Uh, I, I think we often focus on, as you said, a gift for the world. But even if you look at something like uh, John three sixteen, which is one of the readings, which I know you'll talk about in a little bit, it's, I find comfort in that, that whoever, you know, whoever believes uh, there's no, no limitations uh, to that. So the universal truths of law and gospel would be something we want to, to drive home with this, this sermon today or this week. Yeah. The, the gift that is not only for us who are in Christ already, but for the whole world, um, John Scharf, uh, Joel referred to it just a little bit. The other readings for the day, we'll be thinking about the second reading today as our sermon text. Could you fill us in on the gospel and the first reading? Yeah, thank you. Uh, you As we consider how these readings work together to tell the story of the Sunday, there are a couple of key connections. Under the theme that one of our greatest needs is a gift for the world, we, we start with the first reading from Genesis where we see God giving Abraham a gift, a promise, a land, a heritage. And it wasn't because of where or who he was from. God had him leave his country and people and family. God was keeping his promise of a savior by giving these gifts to Abraham and then through him giving a gift to the world, the promised Messiah. So this first reading um, also then kind of sets the stage for our sermon text from Romans where Paul uses Abraham as an example to demonstrate the the gift nature of faith. And we'll talk more about the second reading as we study the text, but but notice the key point that it isn't by works, but by faith that both Abraham and we are justified. And then you get to the gospel, uh, where we learn with Nicodemus about God's gift of a son. He so loved the world that he gave. He gave the gift we so desperately needed because we can't be born again by entering into our mother's womb again. It, It happens through the work of the spirit, through faith. And then I love Psalm 121's reminder of from where our help comes, from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's, it's that gift for all of us, for the world. 
Yeah, thank you. The um, uh, gospel, I think, and as is usually the case, sets the kind of the tone, the theme for the week, um, and uh, this is no exception. The most famous of all Bible verses, maybe, or we we hope that it is. John three sixteen is right there, proclaiming God's gift. Uh, Joel mentioned the whoever that is there. Uh, these beautiful gospel promises, and yeah, then we're going to unpack those a little bit with the Apostle Paul as he uses Abraham as an example of God's gift for the world. Let's get to that then. Um, our sermon text for the week: Romans four verses one through five, and thirteen through seventeen. So, Joel, Joel Russo, could you uh, get us started highlighting some points, whatever you'd like to highlight in this text, and uh, yeah, get the ball rolling for us as we talk about this beautiful section of Romans 4? Yeah, the lessons are all very tightly knit this week, and um, I, I think the guys brought that out already. I, I'm going to jump to verse 13. I, I know that I'm jumping in the middle there, but you have a, a prolepsis going on there where you have the, a, a big point being brought to the front of this section uh, where Paul is saying this is not through the law and not through works of the law, but as John Scharf noted, it's, it's through faith. And, and that faith language is just sprinkled throughout. If you follow the, the pistis words or the pistoio words, I think I counted uh, 10 times where it's emphasized that, that this gift of ours, this wonderful universal gift is, is ours by faith. Um, there was it one word that kind of jumped out at me and, and I started to kind of dance it around in my mind as, as I was thinking through how you might preach this. And it was in verse 16, um, it's Babayan. Um, and it, it talks about just that, that certainty that we can have uh, because the gift is, is ours by faith, this, this righteousness. Um, I, I just kind of, it intersected with something else I was reading this week, but I think a preacher would do well, so I'll put a plug in here, uh, to read the Apology, uh, Article 20, which speaks of good works, uh, because Paul makes a point highlighting verse 16. He says something to the effect of how the Apostle Paul shouts at the top of his voice as the saying goes, and then he quotes verse 16, uh, that it depends on faith and not by works. Uh, So you have a, a clear a clear uh, contrast here. It's not by this. You can look at Abraham's life. It's, it's purely by, uh, by the gift. And Abraham is the, the prime example of that. Yeah. Um, the righteousness through faith. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite sections that deals with that. Not only because, I mean, this is, this is the, the doctrine on which the church stands or falls, but it's kind of made concrete, I think, by Paul here when he uses Abraham as the example and puts this in real terms, look at Abraham and let's kind of trace his history with God um, and see how this promise was given to him and guaranteed to him. Um, Well, let's open it up then. How would you go about preaching this text? Um, uh, How do you go about, maybe here's a way to approach it. How do you go about preaching law and gospel in a text where it is kind of so clear-cut, classic Lutheran uh, themes running through it. Um, What are some things you point out, and how do you draw those out for your listeners in a way that is more than just kind of a boilerplate, um, part one, not by works, part two, but by faith, or something like that? Um, Your thoughts, guys, as, as you talk about law and gospel in this text, or how to go about presenting familiar truths? 
Joel uh, Heckendorf, you want to share some thoughts? One thing I'm wrestling with is what do people struggle with more? The universality of the law that, I mean, we're always comparing, right, to somebody else. And so in this season of repentance, it's so easy to, to point to someone else and to say, oh, man, you mean Abraham couldn't earn it either? That means I can't earn it. And, and so that we don't miss the dart of the law. Or do we struggle more with the universality of the gospel? You mean that person's forgiven too? Um, and, and so I think that that would be a struggle I would really lead my people to, to wrestle with and, and then to get them to realize on both ends, you guys are asking the wrong question, uh, that it's, it's, it has nothing to do with comparison. It's just this is, this is you and, and this is meant for you. Uh, this it is all by faith, but um, so I, I think yeah, I would spend a lot of time on, on saying what what is our problem with this idea of righteousness by faith? Is it the are we, we because our opinion legacy wants so much of the law, or is it because we struggle with the grace of God? Yeah, good idea. It's something to really wrestle with and get people to get thinking about. Yeah, I like that approach. What what do you struggle with more? Uh, John, some ideas? Sure. Yeah, kind of going a, a little different angle with it. You know, I, um, hearing Joel rightly focusing on that that world side of, of the gift for the world theme. And and, and I think uh, looking at the, the gift side, you know, you asked about the the law versus the gospel. I mean, there's that great line in there, the law brings wrath. Um, and, and just that no matter how much we try to see something in us, in our obedience, and, and maybe just because I got done reading Luther on this, you know, just that, that harping on it's the works don't work. Uh, the law brings wrath. There, there, there's a problem with it. Um, the only thing the law does is cause transgressions of it. Um, so, you know, the malady seeing, um, our obedience as part of what, what is good about us or, or what, what brings our salvation. Uh, and then, you know, answering that with, um, no, it's gotta be a gift. It, it, it's this gift that, uh, that God has given that he has done all of it because, um, it, it just couldn't be the law. And, you know, you talked about the, uh, the, um, two parts, part one law, part two gospel. I was just going to say you, you took my, my theme in parts, John, uh, but uh, it can work. Um, it can work. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Uh, Joel, to that point. Yeah. Just with, uh, you know, John mentioning he was, he was reading Luther on this and the, the law brings wrath. It's interesting that Luther adds the newer in, in his translation of Romans four fifteen, the law only brings wrath. Uh, that emphasis, even though it's not in the Greek, and but but John, I don't know if you even caught yourself when you were when you were paraphrasing it. You you use that word only and and to to stress that and maybe bring there's an opportunity to maybe bring up some of the the Luther's struggle with righteousness uh, and and his love with with the Book of Romans mm-hmm. and how this would play out. Yeah, and. and- uh, related to that is something Joel Russo said too, is that um, the certainty, um, Bebayan in, in verse 16, the guarantee 
um, that's kind of what we're longing for. How do I know for sure uh, that that I'm okay with God? How do I know for sure that um, that um, I have His His love, uh, His gifts, His promises, um, and all the good stuff that God has to give? How do I know I've got it with some certainty? Um, and that's why Paul sets up these alternatives. You know, if if you've got uh, all, all you have to depend on is the law and your performance of the law. You're not going to have that. But God is a different way of going about giving us this guarantee, and that is saying it's purely by the promise instead of the law. Um, yeah, uh, further thoughts on on that? And when I said, yeah, you, you can have your theme in parts, John, um, part one, <laughs> not by works, part two, but by faith. We teach our students, maybe don't use that for every single sermon, regardless of the text. Uh, this one, actually, it might work. Probably, probably <laughs> it's pretty appropriate. Um, but uh, yeah, any further thoughts on, on law and gospel, um, bringing out uh, different aspects of it here? I thought it was interesting. Uh, there's a church down the road on my way home that has a, a different, you know, catchy saying each week. And um few weeks ago, it was, you know, the, the church isn't the museum for saints, it's a hospital for sinners. And I hadn't realized before that that was, that was Luther. Um, not exactly in those same words, but uh, uh, I jotted this one down. The church is the inn and the infirmary for those who are sick and in need of being made well, but heaven is the place of the healthy and the righteous. Um, and, you know, just kind of thinking through that and to go with that idea that, that, it can only be by, um, by gift. You know, maybe just think about times in life when someone needs help, and when we have expectations around it, it just it just causes problems. I'll I'll give you this help if, you know, like our our benevolence. We got a benevolence fund that people have donated into, and and it'll be used to to help someone um, who is about to get evicted. Uh, you know, pay a, a month of rent. And, you know, they'll always come in, oh, we'll pay it right back. Uh, and, you know, the, the policy of the committee is great. If you pay it back, then it'll go to help someone else. But uh, um, this is a gift. Uh, and once you start putting all those conditions on it, it just, it just messes with stuff. If you ever, you know, borrowed or loaned money to family members, and uh, um, it's got to be a gift. That's where we have that certainty. Definitely. Um so we're maybe getting some ideas for a, a malady. Um, Joel Heckendorf had mentioned, um, yeah, struggling with the universality of both the law and the gospel and things that we wrestle with there. Um, I think an, an, an obvious one to draw out in some way is, uh, yeah, our, our, our go-to is the law, our go-to is works. Um, uh, and that's kind of maybe what Paul is addressing here. Uh, with his Abraham example, other thoughts in, related to that, uh, Joel Russo. I think we we have a problem with doing nothing. So you read a, a text like this, and and I think sometimes to our sinful hearts we think, no, that sounds too good to be true. Like there there's got to be a catch somewhere to this. Uh, what what's my part? And you know, you start reading the fine print of what Scripture says here. And I mean, the opening question of the text is, well, what did Abraham find? And then <laughs> I love how it, it answers again, uh, maybe tied in back to last week. Well, it says, well, what does the scripture say uh, in verse three? And so we continue to go back. What does scripture tell us about ourselves and, and the law? And what does scripture 
It's about ourselves and the gift. And, and it's therein that we find the certainty as it exists to Christ. Yeah. John? And just maybe taking off of that, the way that uh, Paul describes God in verse five, uh, the one believing on him who justifies the, the wicked, the, the asabes, the, the completely without any kind of worship in their life. They have no concern or, or thought for God, uh, which gets back to, to you know, Joel's the world, um, every last one, uh, even the ones who, who have nothing to offer, especially the ones who have nothing to offer. Um, yeah, and uh, then connecting it with the later verses too. Um, yeah, this is why uh, God says, I'm going to give this gift by the promise and not by works. Uh, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace. And that's the only way it can be really guaranteed, uh, right? Because um, anytime you inject works into that, it's going to inject uncertainty uh, into the equation. How much do I have to do and have I done enough uh, to earn what I need to earn? Um, yeah, then maybe uh, different ways you would uh, bring out the gospel uh, emphases in the text. Any uh, pointers for preachers there? Um, tips on how they might bring out kind of not just a, a general gospel, but more thoughts particular to the text or images particular to the text. We've got some ideas. We've mentioned them already, but anything to emphasize there? Joel Russo? Yeah, I don't think this maybe would be the, the main point because you're so rich in the <laughs> in just in the righteousness of the text. But in verse 17, just the way that God is described, um, you know, the, who, the one who makes alive the dead and, and calls the things that are not that they are. Um, you, you just have uh, so many images that continue to point back to God and even the form of the verbs at times. Uh, so like verse two, uh, you have the aorist passive. Abraham was justified. Then you have in verse three that um, it was credited, you know, that God has the, that, that scale, that ledger, and he credits what's, what's ours. Uh, or credits what's Christ uh, to ours and to us. Right. Yeah, those are both powerful word pictures that could communicate that gospel. John? And on that, you know, it's, it's, this text is usually going to fall during tax season of, of some sort. And, uh, um, you know, that idea of a credit. Um, and this, this gets credited to my, uh, account, whether that's the you know, child tax credit, educa education credit, or for dependents or whatever else. Uh, it, it's not that um, I paid those taxes, uh, but this gets credited. It gets placed there. Um, just maybe something that will be on the minds of people that, that might give them something to, to think about as far as, you know, God is, God is placing a credit far better than any of these. It's one that doesn't expire. Uh, you know, once your child turns 18, it's one that uh, um, doesn't get taken away if you make too much money. Although you might have something, you know, there I'm, I'm trying, uh, if I'm trying to do it, then, then I'm not eligible for the credit. Um, that's uh, some things to think through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could be a fruitful illustration there and a, a timely one um, this time of year. Um, yeah, other ideas about, uh, we can open it up to illustrations, applications um, of uh, the justification themes that are in the text here. 
or some of the other word pictures perhaps that jump out at you. Uh, a lot to choose from, of course. Um, you mentioned a couple great ones. Um, other suggestions for preachers drawing out these texts or illustrate, illustrating or applying the truths that are here? Joel Heckendorf? I think one thing with the universal uh, grace is that, you know, we often talk about like corporate confession and absolution that that can just go over our heads. Oh, that, okay, the pastor says at the beginning, you're forgiven. And we maybe don't always say, oh, that's for me. And then you have the individual or the private confession and absolution, maybe in an office or in, in your living room somewhere. And it seems like that hits home. And, and so I, I want to be aware of the danger of saying, oh, yeah, this is for the world. Um, because we could say, well, okay, it's for the world, but, but how do I make sure that I am part of the world? And, and I, I think we've maybe have all used those illustrations, you know, if people do know John 3, 16, uh, and, and they're struggling with a sin, or you, you point to any of these passages here, okay, are you part of the world? Yes. Then why do you think your feelings about your sin or your, your judgment of your own sin doesn't match what scripture says, you know, and you point back again into this what do the scriptures say? It says you, you are made righteous through Christ. Uh, but I, I, I guess I just wouldn't want to breeze past that too quickly because the world can be so general that we don't see ourselves individually in it. I think that's a good point. The uh, Paul's, you know, his overarching point here is that this is the way that justification works for the world. This is God's plan. This is um, how it functions. It is through the promise, by faith, not dependent on our works. But yeah, uh, helping listeners apply that to themselves individually. Okay, that means that this is how it works for me. Um, uh, this is not just a good thing that happens to other people and um, it, a general truth that's out there but this is for me when I am struggling with my guilt or when I am wrestling with, uh, hey, am, am I good enough for God? And those thoughts, bringing it home personally. Right. So, so maybe it's, you know, if, if we're going to use some of those, like you said, you know, popular passages, again, I know we're not preaching on John three sixteen, but, but that illustration of God so loved the world. And then you use the other kids song that's so popular, Jesus loves me. Uh, this I know that those really go hand in hand uh, with what is is being talked about. And even to follow up on that, maybe would be what what does scripture say? For the Bible tells me so. This is this is that truth, that personal truth, just as well as the universal truth. Sure, good idea, uh, Joel Russo. Yeah, I'm trying into that a little bit, but just making it personal and individual is uh, I've heard it and I may, maybe even said it uh, members when they're going through hardship, maybe it's a, a job loss or, or some sort of sickness. What's what do they start to fall back to? Well, may, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe God's kind of, you know, settling the score and using this to get back to me. And you can open up a section like this and say, well, what is what is Abraham found? What do the scriptures say? That's not it at all. It's all a gift. And God can even work through those hardships. 
So I was starting to think of those times in life when, when we may start to revert back to that, that law way of thinking, and we need to hear that individual personal gospel, which is ours in Christ. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of a, a that's uh, what we talk about as the opinio legis, right? The, that pull that's always there. Yeah, this has got to be something to do with what I achieve or what I do. Um, but the flip side of that is, well, then I can never be sure that I've got doubts plaguing me all the time. Um, so addressing those thoughts that are there. Um, yeah, just, just last night, we are meeting with some uh, homiletic students and we are going through, it wasn't this text, but a similar one um, in Philippians and uh, uh, talking about it and talking through it. And, um, uh, you know, one of them said, you know, well, if people have been going to a Lutheran church all their lives, one of our Lutheran churches, they probably heard this like a lot that it's not by works, but it's by faith. Um, you know, so how do we present this in a fresh way? And well, one of the things that I mentioned is what you just said, Joel, that, you know, it's because even though we know it so well, still these thoughts creep in. Um, yeah. But is it really all God is, is it a little bit me? And, um, those thoughts don't stop from coming and, and the spiritual damage they can do. Uh, well, we've seen it in people's lives as they wrestle with um, doubt and, and guilt, right? Um, other thoughts, uh, helping preachers, any tips you've got for them as you approach this text or, or ways to go about preaching it? I'll just kind of open it up to any further suggestions that might be helpful to them. Um, theme ideas, maybe that you've are thinking about or toying with, John. Yeah, the the one I'm working on uh, is is highlighting that gift. So only a gift works, um, and in the theme, then you have the two words, right? Gift and works, and I, I might explore that a little bit. And then then part one would um, be the the law brings wrath, taking that line from the the text. Um, and, and talking about uh, how our attempts, um, th th they end in, in trouble uh, when we try to put it on ourselves. And then part two, uh, grace brings the, I had grace brings the promise, but I think I'm going to try to get that, that word certainty in there somewhere in that second part, you know, the certain promise or great grace brings uh, um, certainty, uh, you know, because if, if it's by law, I'd have a boast, but but uh, I don't have a boast because I, I haven't kept the law, but uh, it's been credited to me and, and get that picture into that second part too. Great. Good ideas. Any other ideas for, um, for how to present this text or how to uh, encapsulate it in a theme? Any, any further ideas? Now I regret what I said earlier in the, the podcast. I don't do part one, not by works, but part two. But okay, maybe that does. Maybe that is a good option. I don't want to rule. But that I, I I agree, that's and that's something that you know you gotta. It's too easy <laughs> to just fall into that. That was uh, my point, right? Yep, right, yep, yep. But in this text, okay, maybe that is actually your parts or something <laughs> to that effect. Yep. Um, other ideas, uh, Joel Heckendorf. Not necessarily a theme, but a, again, a warning is is you got to have faith or that we turn, we turn our belief into a work mm -hmm. instead of that being the gift. It, it's the receiving mechanism, right? That, 
that receives. But it, I know uh, one of my associates in the past, that was his pet peeve when, when he ever he would ask kids, well, why are you going to heaven? Because I believe, because I believe. And it can easily become something I do instead of something that God is the channel through which God, yeah. God gives me all of this. Right, right. Faith is simply the, the open hand that, uh, the empty hand that receives from God. Joel Russo? Yeah, that was kind of the theme I was tickling around my head was a gift that's truly a gift Yeah. Uh, uh, from start to finish, including the gift of faith to receive this. It's all a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's where our comfort comes from. Um, yeah, it, it is a mind-boggling truth for those who have not really thought through it before, but yeah, so so that it can be guaranteed and so that we can have certainty. This is why God rules out works and says, it's going to be all by my promise and all by faith. Faith, which, yeah, in and of itself, as you just mentioned, is a gift as well. Um, because God wants us to have that certainty and that comfort that comes from the gospel. Right. All right. Well, uh, given some preachers, given preachers some good ideas, I think, and, and good things to think about. Um, as with many texts, uh, the challenge might be, um, you know, condensing what you say, because there's so much to say in this classic text on justification. Um, but yeah, beautiful truths that God wants to communicate to people so that they can know for sure they are in good standing with him on the basis of his promise in Christ Jesus. So God bless you preachers as you proclaim that beautiful truth of justification and bring it to life for your listeners.